Chapter Ten of The Wooden Horse by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten. As he passed through the town, all his thoughts were of his splendid fortune. This was the very thing for which he had been hoping. The key to all his difficulties. The dusk was creeping down the streets. A silver star hung over the roof, silhouetted black against the faint blue of the night sky the lamps seemed to wage war with the departing daylight the afterglow of the setting sun fluttered valiantly for a little and then yielding its place to the stronger golden circles stretching like hanging moons down the street vanished the shops were closing worthily's hosiery was putting up the shutters and a boy stood in the doorway yawning there had been a sale and the shop was tired midget's bookshop at the corner of the high street was still open and an old man with spectacles and a flowing beard stood poring over the odd lot box at twopence a volume by the door the young man who advised ladies as to the purchase of six shilling novels waited impatiently he had hoped to be off by six to-night he had an appointment at seven and now this old man we close at six sir he said but the old gentleman did not hear he bent lower and lower until his beard almost swept the pavement harry passed on all these things passed like shadows before harry he noticed them but they fitted into the pattern of his thoughts forming a frame round his great central idea that at last he had his chance there was no fear in his mind that he would not get the letters there was of course the chance that claire had been before him but then as mary had said she had scarcely had time and it was not likely that the girl would give them up easily it was just possible too that the whole affair was a mistake that mrs Feverel had merely boasted for the sake of impressing old mrs bethel that there was little or nothing behind it but that was unlikely he had formed no definite decision as to the method of his attack he must wait and see how the land lay a great deal depended on the presence of the mother the girl too might be so many different things he was not even certain of her age if there was nothing in it he would look a fool but he must risk that a wild idea came into his head that he might perhaps find claire there that would be amusing he imagined them bidding for the letters and that brought him to the point that money would be necessary well he was ready to pay a good deal for it was robin for whom he was bidding he found the street without any difficulty its dinginess was obvious and now with a little wind whistling round its corners and whirling eddies of dust in the road its three lamps at long distances down the street the monotonous beat of the sea beyond the walls it was depressing and sad it reminded him of the street in auckland where he had heard the strange voice it was just such another moment now the silence bred expectancy and the sea was menacing i shall get the shivers if i don't move he said and rang the bell the slatternly servant that he had expected to see answered the bell and the tap-tap of her down-at-heel slippers sounded along the passage as she departed to see if mrs Feverel would see him he waited in the draughty hall it was so dark that coats and hats loomed ghostly shapes by the farther wall a door opened there was sound of voices a moment's pause then the door closed and the maid appeared at the head of the stairs 
the missus says you can come up she said ungraciously she eyed him curiously as he passed her and scented drama in the set of his shoulders and the twitch of his fingers a military she concluded and tap tapped down again into the kitchen a low fire was burning in the grate and the blind napped against the window the draught blew the everlastings on the mantelpiece together with a little dry dusty sound like the rustle of a breeze in dried twigs mrs feverel sat bending over the fire and he thought as he saw her that it would need a very great fire indeed to put any warmth into her her black hair parted in the middle was bound back tightly over her head and confined by a net she shook hands with him solemnly and then waited as though she expected an explanation harry smiled i'm afraid mrs feverley said that you may think this extraordinary i can only offer as apology your acquaintance with my son ah yes mr robert trojan her mouth closed with a snap and she waited with her hands folded on her lap for him to say something further you knew him i think at cambridge in the summer yes my daughter and i were there in the summer harry paused it would be harder than he expected and where was the daughter cambridge is very pleasant in the summer he asked his resolution weakening rapidly before her impassivity my daughter and i found it so but of course it depends it depended he reflected on such people as his son boys whom they could cheat at their ease he had no doubt at all now that the mother was an adventuress of the common melodrama type he suspected the girl of being the same it made things in some ways much simpler because money would probably settle everything there would be no question of fine feelings he knew exactly how to deal with such women he had known them in new zealand but he was amused as he contemplated claire's certain failure such a woman was entirely outside her experience he came to the point at once my being here is easily explained i learned mrs feverel that my son formed an attachment for your daughter during last summer he wrote some letters now in your daughter's possession his family are naturally anxious that those letters should be returned i have come to see what can be done about the matter he paused but she said nothing and remained motionless by the fire perhaps he said slowly you would prefer mrs feverel to name a possible price yourself afterwards on looking back he felt that his expectations had been perfectly justified she had up to that point given him every reason to take the line that he adopted she had listened to the first part of his speech without remark she must he reflected afterwards have known what was coming yet she had given no sign that she heard and so the change in her was startling and took him utterly by surprise she looked up at him from her chair and the thin ghost of a smile that crept round the corners of her mouth faced him for a moment and then vanished suddenly was the strangest thing that he'd ever seen don't you think mr trojan that this is a little insulting it made him feel utterly ashamed in her own house in her drawing-room he had offered her money i beg your pardon he stammered yes she answered slowly you had rather misconceived the situation harry felt that her silences were the most eloquent that he had ever known he began to be very frightened and for the first time conceived the possibility of not securing the letters at all 
the thought that his hopes might be dashed to the ground that he might be no nearer his goal at the end of the interview than before sharpened his wits it was to be a deal in subtlety rather than the obvious thing that he had expected well he would play it to the end i beg your pardon he said again i have been extremely rude i am only recently returned from abroad and my knowledge of the whole affair is necessarily very limited i came here with a very vague idea both as to yourself and your intentions in drawing the conclusions that i did i have done both you and your daughter a grave injustice for which i humbly apologize i may say that before coming here i had had no interview with my son i am therefore quite ignorant as regards facts he did not feel that his apology had done much good he felt that she had accepted both his insult and apology quite calmly as though she had regarded them inevitably the facts she said looking down again at the fire are quite simple my daughter and your son became acquainted at cambridge in may last they saw a great deal of each other during the next few months at the end of that time they were engaged mr robert trojan gave us to understand that he was about to acquaint his family with the fact they corresponded continually during the summer letters i believe of the kind common to young people in love mr robert trojan spoke continually of the marriage and suggested dates we then came down here and soon after our arrival i perceived a change in your son's attitude he came to see us very rarely and at last ceased his visits altogether my daughter was naturally extremely upset and there were several rather painful interviews he then wrote returning her letters and demanding the return of his own this she definitely refused those are the facts mr trojan she had spoken without any emotion and evidently expected that he should do the same i have come he said on behalf of my son to demand the return of those letters demand naturally letters mrs feverel of that kind are dangerous things to leave about yes she smiled dangerous for whom i think you forget a little mr trojan in your anxiety for your son's welfare my daughter's side of the question she naturally treasures what represents to her the happiest months of her existence you must remember that your son's conduct shall i call it desertion was a terrible blow she loved him mr trojan with all her heart is it not right that he should suffer a little as well i refuse to believe he answered sharply that this is all a matter of sentiment i regret extremely that my son should have behaved in such a cowardly and dastardly manner it has hurt and surprised me more than i can say but were that all it were surely better to bury the whole affair as soon as may be i cannot believe that you are keeping the letters with no intention of making public use of them ah said mrs feverel i wonder hadn't we better come to a clear understanding mrs feverel he asked we are neither of us children and this beating about the bush serves no purpose whatever if you refuse to return the letters i have at least the right to ask what you mean to do with them ah, here is my daughter she answered she shall speak for herself he turned round at the sound of the opening door and watched her as she came in she was very much as he had imagined thin and tall walking straight from the hips giving a little the impression that she was standing on her toes 
her eyes seemed amazingly dark in the whiteness of her face she seemed a little older than he had expected perhaps twenty-five or twenty-six she looked at him sharply as she entered and then came forward to her mother he could see that she was agitated her breath came quickly and her hands folded and unfolded as though she were tearing something to pieces this said mrs feverel is my daughter mr trojan my dear mr henry trojan she bowed and sat down opposite her mother he thought she looked rather pathetic as she faced him here was no adventuress no schemer he began to feel that his son had behaved brutally outrageously mrs feverel rose i will leave you my dear mr trojan will tell you for what he has come she moved slowly from the room and harry drew a breath of relief at her absence there was a moment's pause i hope you will forgive me miss feverel he said gently i'm afraid that both your mother and yourself must regard this as impertinent but at the same time i think you will understand she seemed to have regained her composure it is about robin i suppose yes could you tell me exactly what the relations between you were we were engaged she answered simply last summer at cambridge he broke off the engagement yes but i understand that you intend to keep his letters that is quite true i have come to ask you to restore them i am sorry i am afraid that it is a waste of time i shall not go back on my word he could not understand what her game was he was not sure that she had a game at all she seemed very helpless and at the same time he felt that there was strength behind her answers he was at a loss his experience was of no value to him at all i am going to beg you to alter your decision i am pleading with you in a matter that is of the utmost importance to me robin is my only son he has behaved abominably and you can understand that it has been rather a blow to me to return after twenty years absence and find him engaged in such an affair but he is very young and pardon me so are you i am an older man and my experience of the world is greater than yours believe me when i say that you will regret persistence in your refusal most bitterly in later years it seems to me a crisis a crisis perhaps for all of us take an older man's word for it there is only one possible course for you to adopt really mr trojan she said laughing you are intensely serious last week i thought that my heart was broken but now well it takes a lot to break a heart i am sure that you will be glad to hear that my appetite has returned as to the letters why think how pleasant it will be for me to sentimentalize over them in my old age surely that is sufficient motive she was trying to speak lightly but her lips quivered you are running a serious risk miss feverel he answered gravely your intention is i imagine to punish robin i can assure you that in a few years time he will be punished enough he scarcely realizes as yet what he has done that knowledge will come to him later poor robin she said yes he ought to feel rather a worm now he has written me several very agitated letters but really i cannot help it the affair is over done with i regard the letters as my personal property i cannot see that it is any one else's business at all of course it is our business he answered seriously those letters must be destroyed 
i do not accuse you of any deliberate malicious intentions but there is as far as i can see only one motive in your keeping them i have not seen them but from what i have heard i gather that they contain definite promise of marriage your case is a strong one yes she laughed poor robin's enthusiasm led him to some very violent expressions of affection but mr trojan revenge is sweet every woman i think likes it and i am no exception to my sex aren't you a little unfair in claiming all the pleasure and none of the pain no he answered firmly i am not it is as much for your own sake as for his that i am making my claim you cannot see things in fair proportion now you will bitterly regret the step you contemplate taking well i am sure she replied it is very good of you to think of me like that i am deeply touched uh, you seem to take quite a fatherly interest she lay back in her chair and watched him with eyes half closed he was beginning to believe that it was no pose after all and his anger rose come miss feverel he said let's have done with playing let us come to terms it is a matter of vital importance that i should receive the letters i am ready to go some lengths to obtain them what are your terms she flushed a little isn't that a little rude mr trojan she said it is of course the melodramatic attitude it was not long ago that i saw a play in which letters figured pistols were fired and the heroine wore red plush is that to be our style now i am sorry that i cannot oblige you there are no pistols but i will tell you frankly that it is no question of terms i refuse under any circumstances whatever to return the letters that is your absolute decision my absolute decision he got up and stood for a moment by her chair my dear he said you do not know what you are doing you are disappointed you are insulted you think that you will have your revenge at all costs you do not know now but you will discover later that it has been no revenge at all it will be the most regretted action of your life you have a great chance you are going to throw it away i am sorry because you are not i think at all that sort of girl he paused a moment well there is no more to be said i am sorry as much for your sake as my own good-bye he moved to the door the disappointment was almost more than he could bear he did not know how strong his hopes had been and now he must return with things as they were before with the added knowledge that his son had behaved like a cad and that the world would soon know good-bye he said again and turned round towards her she rose from her chair and tried to smile she said something that he could not catch and then suddenly to his intense astonishment she flung herself back into her chair again hid her face in her hands and burst into uncontrollable tears he stood irresolute and then came back and waited by the fireplace he thought it was the most desolate thing that he had ever known the flapping of the blind against the window the dry rustling of the leaves on the mantelpiece only accentuated the sound of her sobbing he let her cry and then at last i am a brute he said i am sorry i will go away no she sat up and began to dry her eyes with her handkerchief don't go it was absurd of me to give way like that 
i thought that i had got over all that but one is so silly one never can tell he sat down and waited you see she went on i had liked you always from the first moment that i saw you you were different from the others quite different and after robin had behaved as he did i distrusted everyone i thought they were all like that except you you do not know what people have done to us here we have had no friends they have all despised us especially your family and robin said well lots of things that hurt that i was not good enough and that his aunt would not like me and then of course when i saw that if i kept the letters i could make them all unhappy why of course i kept them it was natural wasn't it but i didn't want to hurt you i felt that all the time and when i saw you here when i came in i was afraid because i hardly knew what to do i thought i would show you that i wasn't weak and foolish as you thought me the kind of girl that robin would throw over so easily without thinking twice about it and so i meant to hold out there and now of course you think me hateful he sat down by her and took her hand it's all rather ridiculous isn't it he said i'm old enough to be your father but i'm just where you are really we've all been learning this last fortnight you and robin and i and all learning the same thing it's been a case he hesitated for a word of calf love for all three of us don't regret robin he's not worth it why you are worth twenty of him and he'll know that later on i'm afraid that sounds patronizing he added laughing but i'm humble really never mind the letters you shall do what you like with them and i will trust you you are not he repeated that sort of girl why dash it he suddenly added robin doesn't know what he has lost ah she said blushing it wouldn't have done i can see that now but i can see so many things that i couldn't see before i wish i'd known a man like you then i might have learnt earlier but i had nobody nobody at all and i nearly made a mess of things but it isn't too late too late why no he answered i'm only beginning now and i'm forty-five i too have learned a lot in this fortnight she looked at him anxiously for a moment they don't like you do they robin and the others no he answered i don't think they do i know she said quickly i heard from robin and i'm sorry you must have had a bad time but why if they have been like that do you want the letters they have treated us both in the same way why yes he answered only robin is my son that you see is my great affair i care for him more than for anything in the world and if i had the letters why of course she said i see it gives you the pull why how blind i've been it's splendid she sprang up and went to a small writing-desk by the window she unlocked a drawer and returned with a small packet in her hand there she said there they are they are not many are they for such a big fuss but i think that i meant you to have them all the time from the first moment that i saw you i had hoped that you would ask for them he took the letters held them in his hand for a moment and then slipped them into his pocket thank you he said i shall not forget nor i she answered we are i suppose ships that pass in the night we have just shared for a moment an experience and it has changed both of us a little but sometimes remember me will you perhaps you would write why of course he answered i shall want to know how things turn out what will you do 
i don't know we will go away from here of course go back to london i expect and i will get some work there are lots of things to do and i shall be happy i hope he said that the real thing is just beginning for both of us she stood by the window looking out into the street it makes things different if you believe in me she said it will give one courage i had begun to think that there was no one in the world who cared be plucky he said work's the only thing it is because we've both been idle here that we're worried don't think any more of robin he isn't good enough for you yet he'll learn like the rest of us but he'll have to go through something first you'll find a better man poor robin she said be kind to him he took her hand for a moment smiled and was gone she watched him from the window he looked back at her and smiled again then he passed the corner of the street so that's the end she turned back from the window now for a beginning end of chapter ten